This programming is sponsored by the UH Health Family Care Center, offering primary care and behavioral health services on the University of Houston campus. Health insurance plans including Medicare and Medicaid accepted. New patient appointments and more at 832-UH-CARES. I say you. A native of Houston's Third Ward, Daryl Bohanna knows the importance of being industrious and disciplined. A product of the U.S. Army and a father of seven, he realized quickly he needed to figure out a way to support his children. But he also learned very difficult lessons about saving money and creating generational wealth. You have other races, uh, other groups of people teach their children early. So by the time they are in high school, their credit is good. They got $10,000, $20,000 in savings account, and they have a car. They have a, you know, they have a leg up in life. I'm Eddie Robinson, and stay tuned as we chat candidly with children's book author Daryl Bohanna. He tells us more about how he's written a series of books designed to help kids build a better relationship with money and how to improve decision-making skills on managing money. Oh yeah, I feel you. We hear you. I see you. You're listening to I See You. I'm Eddie Robinson. (laughs) There's an old African quote that says, there is no wealth where there are no children. And our guest today is putting that quote to good use. Literally. Daryl Bohanna is a children's book author. But don't expect a book that's similar to those popular sun-up books with the two animals, Buffy and Mac. What you can do is imagine for a minute, if Buffy and Mac... We're trying to figure out how to write a personal check. Or how the both of them could create a savings account. Or what they'd have to do in learning how to balance a budget. Well, Mr. Bohanna didn't write a financial sun-up book for kids. But what he has done is that he's chosen to write a series of books designed to help children, especially kids of color, learn the basic fundamentals of how to count money and improve decision-making skills on managing money, something I'm sure many adults who are of a certain age who wish they had known then what they knew now about money and how to have a better relationship with it. I would certainly have welcomed a book like that when I was young. But here to tell us more about the upcoming literary series and provide us with more of a glimpse of the book, The Adventures in Moneyland with Dee Dee, Dez, and Dex, it's author Daryl Bohanna. Daryl, thank you so much for being a guest on ICU. Thank you for having me. You know, I noticed your quote on media pages that we've seen about the book where you write, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken minds. And then underneath it, it's the quote where you write that you paraphrased it from activist Frederick Douglass's quote, which read, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Describe for us, Daryl, you know, why you selected that quote and why it still resonates for you and sharing a bit of a glimpse of what this book is really about. Well, when I chose that quote, I had to think, why are we so far behind financially? If you look at statistics financially, honestly, at every totem pole, we're actually at the bottom. So I had to find out, okay, what is it? Why are we here? And why do we continue to repeat this cycle? We see our athletes, they make it to the promised land of the pros. Three or four years later, after retirement, they're broke, or when they finish playing, they're broke. When I was in the military, you see kids, first time away from home, to get three paychecks, two hots. We call it two hots in a cot, right? But on the first, they get paid. On the third, they're broke again. On the 15th, they get paid. On the 18th, they're broke again. Like, okay, what is the problem? And so I went through that whole process of, okay, where is the root cause of this problem? And I went back to home, the beginning. And I tell people that, understand this, for whatever reason, in a black household, talking about money is a, is a taboo. You don't do it. It's, hmm. it's an adult conversation. Yeah. So I was like, okay, if it starts at home, our children are directly and indirectly mm-hmm. influenced by the habits of spending money or handling money, right? Your child grow up, you say you're a new dad. So when that child grow up, that child's going to see you hand the card, take the card back. That's right. 
put the card in the ATM. Well, he, ATM probably be gone by time. <laughs> but they're going to see this exchange, but they don't know why. They just see it. So if you don't stop and talk to them about how you make the money, how you manage the money, then all they're going to see is that exchange, right? And that's what they learn because no one ever sat them down and said, okay, look, this is how all this works. And that's where it came from. It has to start at home. It, it can no longer be a taboo or an adult conversation. And if you look at it, you have other races, uh, other groups of people teach their children early. Hmm. So by the time they are in high school, their credit is good. They got ten, twenty thousand dollars in savings account, and they have a car. They have a, you know, they have a leg up in life. By the time we, our light bulb come on, right? We're thirty years old. So about, huh? I want a house. I want a family. Well, we probably already have a family. Let's be honest, right? A broken family. Just be honest. That's right. And then they look back. Okay, I'm, I'm serious about life now. But then you turn around twenty five years ago. You went to college, you racked up a bunch of debt, not just for education, but partying, credit card debt, student loans, repos. You have all these problems. And now you have to go file for Chapter 11. You have to fix these issues, right? Absolutely. So now you're behind again. Wow. So by the time you get 35, 40, now you can get your house. Right. But you have other people that learn early. They've already been there. So it's easy wow. to fix it in right. the beginning. Very beginning than in the middle because you've already developed those habits. Darrell, what was that about? Because I grew up in that same sort of thinking, that mindset of, you know, this is grown folks conversation, you know. You know. Why was it so taboo in these African-American homes back then, back in the day? I'm, I don't claim to be an expert on, on them. But the thing is... Your thoughts, your perspective. You, you have to remember that we're, what, three or four years removed from slavery, right? So... They learned the hard way unless they were born with those smarts. But a lot of our people were born just in that situation. Where it was just all about survival. Okay. So after survival and they gain their freedom, then it's still about survival and they're learning as they go. They're learning as they go. Mm-hmm. So we continue to repeat those cycles. It was a learn as you go process. So they couldn't convey the information to you and they couldn't convey it to me. Mm-hmm. Right? So... I call myself the black sheep of the family uh, because my mom, she's a worker, right? If she was here, I would say it. She loves to work for others. Okay. My dad was an entrepreneur, but my brother, he's a worker. That's what he does. Okay. He's, he's, he's ventured out, tried to venture out into business. But I'm the guy that says, you know what? I don't want any of that. Wow. I want to do this. So I'm different. So when I talk to them about it, they don't get it. The understanding is different. Okay. So... Because they didn't have that information, it was hard to convey. So what I did was when my children were born, I think around the ninth grade. So I started late, too, because— How many children do you have? Oh, God. <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have six that's living, and okay. uh, I have one that's deceased, so I have seven. Okay, I, okay. Just to give everyone a right. pers- that's an idea of your, right. your, your background, right. that you are a father. Mm-hmm. I'm a father. All right. Correct. So when my children became of age, I waited late because mm-hmm. my light didn't click on for sure. them to later. Okay. But on every Tuesday and Thursday after the school, we would sit down and we have these financial classes. Wow. I would do that for them. Interesting. And uh, I taught my boys how to tie ties, you know, proper etiquette, you know, how to interview. I was teaching them this stuff early. Fantastic. Right. I mean, I got him at 12, 13 when I should have had him at five and six, six. because they had already mm-hmm. developed habits Those, that I was mm-hmm. trying to break. Got it. So that's when I realized, hey, you know what? No, it needs to start earlier. Okay. And uh, so that's, that's where it came from. It's I See You. I'm Eddie Robinson, and we're talking about the importance of learning more about money and the relationship we should all have with our money early. And the author we've invited to the show today in studio is doing just that. Daryl Bohanna's book entitled The Adventures in Moneyland with Dee Dee, Dez, and Dex follows three young children who go on these journeys as they explore money, how to count money, ways to save money, what investments mean. And it's been Daryl's way of addressing ways to teach our youth about building wealth early, not when they're in their early 20s, but as early as their preteens. And so, Daryl, tell us more about what went into writing this particular book and, and how you plan to expand the narratives with Dee Dee, Dex, and Dez. 
how I realized that this book was going to work. So I tell you, you know, my grandson, he's seven now. But back uh, when he was five, four and five, I would take him with me to do business. You know, I do real estate. You know, I'm a developer. And so I drove up to the house. He was like, Papa. He said, Papa, this house is right. I need to tear it down. Who's going to live here? I say, hold on. I said, what if we put some paint on the house? What if we cut the grass? What if we take the roof and replace the roof? I'm speaking these terms because eventually he will understand what a roof is, but I pointed the roof, you know. And he said, well, okay, then, yeah, someone would live here. I said, okay. I said, then you have the choice to sell it or you can rent it out. He's like, well, how you make the most money? I said, most money has come from renting. I said, when you sell it, you'll get the money and then you're gone. Mm-hmm. I said, but long term, you'll make the money from renting. You think he not, you don't think he remember. So I get him two weeks later, we'll pull up to another house. He said, another one? He said, I said, yeah. I said, what are we going to do with it? He said, well, if we put some paint on it, but this one here doesn't have windows, Papa, so it needs windows. I said, you're right. I said, what will you do with it? He said, well, you said I'd make more money if I keep it and rent it versus selling it. I said, yeah, I said, but every situation, it doesn't always mean you have to keep the home. Sometimes you can't sell it. So I was like, okay, he's listening. He paid attention. Because the book was still, it was a concept, but I was writing the book. I said, you know what? He knows. I said, so then I was like, okay, I'm confident in, in finishing this book because it, it's making sense. He, he didn't mean I know all the terms. He may not know all the background, but he understands what I'm saying. So I took it and I ran with it. And yeah. uh, that's how I developed, continue developing the book. And you're building the storylines on these three kids. Yes. Tell us more about those stories and what went on with, what their adventures are in this so-called place called Moneyland. <laughs> so in Moneyland, they're introduced, it's, it's a mystical place called Moneyland. And in Moneyland, they're introduced to the basics, you know, starting with the penny, you know, to the nickel, dime, quarter, half dollar, you know, all the way up to a hundred dollar bill. Okay. And they just going through these different aspects of Moneyland. So what the concept was is you teaching them the knowledge, yeah. right? So I say, oh, here's a penny. That's how you spell it, right? And then there's an activity. So most people think it's just a book that you read, but it's also an activity in the book. So they have to go apply that knowledge. So you don't just read it like, okay, that was. So they have to apply that knowledge as well, where they have to count the pennies. It's in a box. So they get to count the pennies and, and circle they think is correct. Okay. So, and then there's some math in there where I line up all the coins and they have to do math. It's, it's 90 cents. Okay, and, and so there's some critical thinking, yes. right? There's some problem solving yes. that gets into what are the ages, you know, for a kid or an adult who's thinking of, you know, purchasing a book like this for their children? What do you suggest and recommend the age group? I say f- between five, for this particular book here, I say between five and 10. Okay. By that time, they should have the concept. And the reason I say between five and 10, because by September, October, I'll have my next book out. It's going to be more complicated because it's talking about savings, but we're not just talking about putting money into a savings account okay. and let it sit there. We know that's a waste. But it's going to build up, you know, through each book, through each series. In this book, your five-year-old to 10-year-old yeah. may struggle, mm. but then, you know, your 10-year-old is up because it's going to talk about interest, the interest uh, calculator, compound interest. It's not just hey, put money in the savings account and save it. It's going to go deeper in, into uh, the different forms of savings. And that's really what math is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where many young children struggle mm-hmm. when we're getting into those fractions right. and the compounds and right. the derivatives. And- Correct. So, but the, the thing, you just can't write a book and say, okay, money. It's got to be fun, well, right? Exactly. So that's why I have to sit back like, okay, how do I make this funny? You know, how do I make yeah. this character make the child laugh, even though you're making, you know, you're teaching them about money yeah. and things like that. So that's that's a that's another challenge. Yeah. To make it fun. To make it fun. And mm-hmm. I look, I've I've heard the stories and the nightmares. People, kids hate word problems. It's, it's hard, you know, but it's critical. That is a yeah. critical 
trait to have in school because everything is with a word problem. That's it. Everything. That's it. So. Coming up, an intense discussion with children's book author Daryl Bohanna about why it's so difficult for black Americans to invest and save money. Plus, we'll dive deeper into his upbringing in Third Ward, Houston, and how his military background and the fact of him becoming a father with so many children so early prompted him to be responsible and disciplined about his finances. I'm Eddie Robinson. I see you. We'll return in just a moment. If you're enjoying this program, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast, I See You with Eddie Robinson. You can hear all the past episodes and be notified when new episodes are released. Also, please take a minute to give us a review or comment. We love getting feedback from our listeners. You're listening to I See You. I'm Eddie Robinson. And we're talking about the importance of learning more about money and the relationship we should all have with money early. And our special in-studio guest is Daryl Bohanna, an author who's written a children's book about money, The Adventures in Moneyland with Dee Dee, Dez, and Dex. It teaches valuable lessons for kids about how to count money, how to perform basic calculations, and the book helps usher in a thought process around saving money. The book is available online at booksbybohanna.com. I'm noticing the fact that this book, you know, deals with STEM on some early level. I find this endeavor, you know, with this particular book to be extremely important for black children because of the performance factor of these children when it comes to STEM and fostering these kinds of learning environments that's related to science, technology, engineering, and math. There must be a way to encourage these students, these kinds of skill sets and measurements of STEM to start early. And even with, you know, some of my young family members, they have a very difficult time with science. They have a very difficult time with math. What is it that you believe from a historical basis even? And you kind of tapped on it earlier, but why is it, why do you think black Americans in particular have such a hard time with money? We were taught to spend. We didn't have it in the beginning, and as soon as we get it, then you're faced with all the material things. Like, that's, I want to look rich. You know, I want the tangible things to look like I have money, but I really don't have money, Mm. right? So I can have the Cadillac, I can have the the BMW, Mm -hmm. I can have the Louis Vuitton, the Gucci, Mm -hmm. I can have the watches, all this good stuff, right? Sure. But it's sitting in the closet, depreciated as soon as you bought it. You can't even go back and get the same price. You can't sell it for the same price you purchased it for. But my bank account says, I'm broke. So we buy the material things to make us feel like we have it when we don't. So they purchase, they don't understand they're purchasing liabilities. That car is a liability. Yeah, you need one to get around, but it's a liability, Right. A home is actually a liability until you sell it or refinance it, right? Because you're putting money into the home, right? So we have to understand the definition and we can get it right. Liability is something that's costing you money. An asset is something that's going to appreciate and bring you money. And we got to understand the difference. And there's also an element of inferiority. Mm -hmm. And I always kind of look at and you kind of touched on it too about non-blacks in that environment where they started their kids early Mm -hmm. on this. Mm -hmm. But there's an inferiority from a black American standpoint where you've got people thinking, you know what, I've busted my butt trying to get, trying to make ends meet. I deserve it. I deserve this. I deserve the new Jordans. You know, I deserve... Okay. You know, a new car. I deserve this amazing apartment because, dang it, you know, 20, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I was struggling. And now look at where it's put you on some level. Show me Elon Musk gold chain. Show me his diamond chain. Show me, I mean, mm. show me his Louis Vuitton bag. 
if you if you study those people, you realize the Bill Gates of the world, the the Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett lived in the same house that he purchased in nineteen sixty seven, something like that. Wow. You have to study other people to know how this works. And you have to understand too, if I go purchase a half a million dollar home, I need to be making at least two point five, three million dollars. I can't buy a half a million dollar home. I'm only making six hundred thousand. Because if an emergency happened, I really don't have the money. I really can't afford that home. Right? right. Your credit, my credit probably say, yeah, you can afford that's eighty thousand dollar Mercedes Benz, right? But what if it's an emergency happened? Does, does your income sustain your emergency? With the weather, can you weather the storm? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we have to understand. Yes, I can purchase it, but can I afford it? The taxes, the maintenance. If an emergency happened in a home, do I have it? Right. That's why we have to understand the difference. It's ICU. I'm Eddie Robinson, and we're speaking in studio with Daryl Bohanna. His children's book entitled The Adventures in Moneyland with Dee Dee, Dez, and Dex is a book that helps introduce kids to money, helping them be more comfortable with counting money, learning about how to make the right decisions when money is around and available to them. Daryl is also a native of Houston's Third Ward. And we want to get into some of that discussion as well, Daryl. You mentioned about, you know, growing up and, and playing with George Floyd in football. What it was like? You know, growing up in Third Ward, as as you were uh, trying to get your bearings of what you wanted to do out of life and your career, what was it like for you growing up in Third Ward? Now that I'm an adult, I can't. I'm on the outside looking in. Yeah, I was blessed. I had a mother that cared. She's a she's a country girl that ruled an iron fist <laughs> because she understood the environment that we were in. Okay, so it was school, home. You know, don't let the streetlight beat you in his house type, you know. I've heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> and she she just makes sure that that we were, we didn't get involved with a lot of things that happened. Now, even as a mother, yeah. trust me, we got involved. But her voice kicked in because my brother and I, we have these conversations. And, you know, her voice kicked in. And we're like, you know what? Can't do that. We shouldn't be doing this. You know, let's go home. And it became a reality when you're in elementary school and you have a friend that that was killed. Then you get to junior high school, another friend killed. Mm -hmm. High school, you know, four or five before I even graduated high school. So you, you know, you see your environment, you're watching your friends drop out to work on the corner. Yeah. Or you see girls dropping out because they're pregnant. I mean, we were surrounded by all of this. Sure. And... God bless us, you know, where, you know, she, he blessed us with a mother that cared enough to tell us no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to correct us. And somehow you found your way in the Army. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what went on there in that decision? God. Oh. Uh, no, no, yeah. <laughs> so when I left high school, I did have some offers. Okay. But the, the problem was me. By the time uh, I think I was 19, I, I had three children. Yeah. There you go. I had three already. Okay. And once again, my mother, she didn't she didn't play those games. I had to go back. I had to go back. So with well, my first child, I think I was 16, 17. Okay. And I went in the house, and my mom knows me. You know, you got to pull stuff out of me. I'm not going to just volunteer information. Okay. So <laughs> I, I walked in the house. She said, you got something to tell me? No. Interesting. This went on for about a couple of minutes for the sake of time. She said, well, you know, this person called me today. Yeah. I said, okay. She said, you still ain't got nothing to tell? I said, no. <laughs> so wow. anyway, she said, stop playing with me. I'm like, okay, mom, you know, this person's pregnant. Mom knows best. Yeah. And uh, she said, okay, well, what you need to do right now, you need to get out of here and go look for a job. I said, who? <laughs> she said, a job. And then I made a mistake by saying, what about football? She said, Who? So she put it back on me. She said, what? She said, there is no football. There you go. You made an adult decision. You're going you're gonna to take care of this child. So after she, you know, calmed down for a minute, I found a job. She said, this is what, you, this is what you're going to do. She said, you want to play football bad enough? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, what you can do is you work. You don't spend any of that money. 
You put it in a savings account, and you can play football. See, that's, that's it. You don't get to spend any of it. So I played football. Unfortunately, you know, my daughter, she she didn't make it. You know, she was born, but she didn't make it. And uh, but I didn't learn my lesson because a year a year later, a year going. later, yeah, a year later, keep going, keep going. Yeah, here come the other, <laughs> and, and he made it. Okay, and so that Beautiful. you know the process. So when I finished high school, I like okay, coach, I'm at the, I can't take any of this. I okay. have to go. He's like the army. You're not going to the army. I said. I said, I'm going to the army, mm. and I joined the army. One of my one of the best decisions of my life. I, I'll be honest with you. Wow! I was able to take care of my children. I was okay. able to get a master's degree, and believe it or not, you can't save money in the army if you if you're disciplined. Because I, I had to. That's right. And I tell you why. I use a concept that I actually put the roof on a home before I built the foundation. Hmm. Meaning, I already had my children and my family, so I felt like I had to do this. I'm holding my family up here where I'm trying to lay the foundation. Wow. To bring them up right. so I can sit them on it. Correct. And so great visual. Right. When I figured out my paycheck, you know, between child support, I did marry, you know, one of my children's mother. So okay. two of my children was in a household. Okay. And I was like, okay, what am I gonna do? I started off saving $25 per paycheck. That was it. Okay. When I got a raise. I was already living off for a certain amount of money, so I never incorporated that raise into my living expenses. I just put it in savings. Mm. Because I was married at the time, you know, wives don't want to hear, I don't have, no, you can't. So I can imagine. I, <laughs> I had to appease her, right? So when, sure. when, when bonuses came, I said, okay, look, I got 5000 Let's say twenty five. Let me calm you down <laughs> and the kids. <laughs> and then I'll put twenty five. In savings, right? Wow. And then it built up from there. So I went from having like this money in savings. I said, okay, well, what's next? Then I got into mutual funds. Then okay. I learned about mutual funds. I'm like, okay, what's next? Right. Then I got into stock market. Okay. And that's how it built up from there. Now, you know, businesses, real estate, books, things like and that. And on some level, I mean, Papa was a rolling stone, but it's like these children really sort of introduced you to, or at least on some level forced you to get into the learnings of mutual Mm -hmm. funds and CDs and stocks and what all. I mean, you have to be thankful, right? Right. For those children (laughs) on some level, you know, everyone has their own story, right? But if it weren't for that to happen, who knows, you know, in terms of this hardcore, you know, relationship with nah, understanding money. I would have been a millionaire already. You would have before. been a millionaire. All right. Because <laughs> if, if my mom was here, she'd tell you I was cheap. Yeah, like, I've I noticed say, millionaires are, are, are cheap. they cheap? Yes. Are, is that, are they they're tight? Cheap. All right. That's, so, it's probably because why they're millionaires. My mom used to say, I used to, uh, I used to work at Kroger. <laughs> okay. And she said, I don't remember this. She said, you used to call me from work and say, mama, bring my lunch because I don't want to give these people my money that I work for. <laughs> So wow. she, she used to bring my lunch to, to work. Nice. I say that because I've always had this thing about saving money. There but you what go. it taught me was saving money, like right now, you know, it's good that we save. But saving yeah. money with, with the inflation and everything, we're actually losing money. So you're, let's say, a thousand in the bank is probably worth 600 yeah, now, right? So when you money. save money, you have to have purpose for that money. There you go. You know? But what, the, what it taught me was to, to read books. Okay. Because when you come out of third war, you know, it's, it's basketball, football. I'm going to be a football player, basketball player. You have all of these other things outside of reading. Distraction. So, it, it, yeah, distraction. So, it, it forced me to read books. So, you know, me and that next door, okay. rich dad, poor dad, uh, the richest man in Babylon. And that's where it actually started with the richest man in Babylon. Hmm. And I was like, okay, that's, that makes sense. But then when you see the richest man in Babylon, he got the coins. He was lending money. And then he started building other business from there mm. and I was like makes sense so one day I went to I probably got in trouble probably I'm, I'm sure I did but I went to my first sergeant office which is a manager in in civilian terms and he said Sergeant Bohanna he was he was getting on me about something he said sorry you know what he said when I retired he said I would never have to work again I said well you gonna get a military paycheck he said no that's not gonna be enough he said, in every state that I've been stationed in, he's I've purchased a home. 
And those homes in the span of 20 years is going to be my retirement home. My light bulb went on. There you go. And I ran from there. That's, that's how it all started, you know, those nuggets that you Absolutely. Coming up, we continue our conversation with Daryl Bohanna. He's written a children's book about money, and we'll learn more about the challenges he's faced as a first-time self-published author. We'll get feedback from parents about what they think about the book, and we'll get into a heavier discussion for adults about Black buying power and what that means for the future of Black Americans in creating financial stability. I'm Eddie Robinson. Stay tuned. Another provocative segment of ICU returns in just a moment. If you're enjoying this program, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast, ICU with Eddie Robinson. You can hear all the past episodes and be notified when new episodes are released. Also, please take a minute to give us a review or comment. We love getting feedback from our listeners. We're back and you're listening to ICU. I'm your host, Eddie Robinson. We've been chatting in studio with Houston, Third Ward Zone, Daryl Bohanna. He's a self-published author of a new children's book entitled The Adventures in Moneyland with Dee Dee, Dez, and Dex. The book helps toddlers starting at age five build a better attitude towards the study of mathematics and helps them at a young age understand the importance of counting and saving money. And Daryl, it's really been cool, man, learning more about you and why you decided to write this book for kids. I'm curious. What's been the feedback? Uh, have you received any from any adults who've learned from sharing the book with their children? The the feedback has been great. Of course, adults is going to joke because while wow, we've lived it, right? They like, oh, well, wherever this book when I was growing up, you know, I, you know what? I need this book, not my grandchild. <laughs> so you know, those are type of uh, feedbacks that I get, and um, I think we're in the right place. Is this book where you want it to be? You know, what's missing in your mind? You know, you've released the book. It's out. But I haven't, I don't think I've seen it on Amazon. I mean, it's, so it's talk only, to us about that aspect. So it's only on books by Bohanna. Okay. And what I, what I wanted to do is keep it affordable. There you go. That's what I want to do. You know, I want to put it on Amazon, but now it's going to go from seventeen ninety nine probably to 25 Well, right? that's what I wanted to ask you. Like, what are some the of the challenges that you've experienced as a black self-published author. Yeah, so, you know, it's like anything else, you know, price points. I can buy 10000 you know, to sell it at eight ninety nine, or, you know, I can, you know, I can afford to buy, you know, X amount and sell it at seventeen ninety nine. Hmm. So those are challenges. Uh, other challenges is, you know, is, is being receptive. You have to, you know, because you're trying to introduce a concept mm-hmm. that most people don't want to hear because they're used to a certain way. And my thing is, look, if you don't want to learn, let's let's try to help teach the child. But the mentality is still, you know, you're trying to overcome these mentalities that, you know, that adults. Because they're deep-seated. They're deep. Yeah, they're deep-seated already. That's a challenge. But people that that know that the worth of the book, I have, I, I'm, it sells itself after. I don't have to sit there and convince you. Okay. And typically I don't. You know, I, I'll tell you about the book and I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to say, you know, please, hey, you know, they really need it sells itself, sure. you know. But as far as, you know, Amazon, you know, the Walmarts, uh, the price points, I don't want to price it where, you know, the African-American community feel like they can't, they don't want to purchase it. There you go. Because of the price. And on some level, you know, your audience. Correct. Right? Correct. I mean, we're all speaking, like like I could speak for the African-American community. We're trying to make ends meet. You Correct. know, we're trying to, you know, stay above water. Right. And, it, you know, it would help if there were, you know, certain price points that's affordable right. for families to encourage them to purchase a book like this. Yeah, I tried, you know, I, I purposely kept it under 20 bucks. Yeah. I, 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 it was on purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Daryl, give us more insight into the writing process. All right. How did you go about developing the characters in the story? So what I do first, I just 
it's like they teach us in school just write it okay it doesn't have to be correct just write it you know whatever the idea is there's no dumb idea just write it down okay and uh, I wrote it and uh, then I'll go back and construct it later yeah so not to give anything away but the second book you actually get more into their characters of their individuality you know who they are individual as individuals sure in the book because they're saving for different purpose you know for different reasons so that's when they're their independence and their, you know, their individuality will come out in the second book. Okay. This book here, let me, t- I can tell you about their outfits. Yeah. So, two of my children, they were like, Dad, I want to, I want to dress for, you can't say nerds anymore. I don't know. <laughs> you can't say that anymore. But back then, they were like, we, you know, it was nerd day in school. Okay. And they were like, we want to dress as nerds. I said, oh, okay. You know. Interesting. So, they put this whole outfit together, and I took a picture. Okay. I'm like, man, this is crazy. I said, well, okay, y'all look crazy, but go ahead. <laughs> so I took this picture, had it in my photo album for years. And when I came up to start writing this book, I went through my photo album, I, and I found this picture. Mm. So this is the outfit. This is what they actually look like oh, on Nerd Day. Nerd Day. <laughs> on Nerd Day. This is what they look like. And my illustrator, I mean, he's great, because I gave okay. him raw... Like, look, this is what I want them to look like. Okay. And he took it and he, he look, trust me, he messed up a few times, but <laughs> this was the end result here. But That's it, awesome. Yeah. Many banking institutions here in Third Ward had been replaced with ATMs. Do you think this speaks more to the notion of communities of color being told that they have buying power or black buying power? Has that concept ever come across your mind? Do you believe in it? Black buying power? Yes. We have black buying power, but most people, because I, I ask questions. Most people use banks as check cashing places. Mm-hmm. And you can't, you're not going to make, banks can't make money if you just give me all my money back. Correct. Right? They can't make money that way. So they say, okay, well, that's all you want. I remove, right, the brick and mortar, and I give you an ATM machine. Here you go. And that's what uh, only bank that is still uh, off of uh, Cullen and Reed is Wells Fargo. Everything else is a is an ATM machine. I remember reading and hearing about Black Wall Street mm-hmm. in Tulsa's mm-hmm. Greenwood District. Mm-hmm. I had never heard about it until last year with the 100th really? anniversary. I had never heard of such a thing wow. about Black Wall Street. And when I read about it, I was like, wow, this is mm-hmm. insane. Um, and, we, and then I, we wanted to have a show about it on ICU, mm-hmm. and we did. I had read about the historical black neighborhood just west of downtown Houston, the stretch of Alameda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and according to some residents back in the day, they said when U.S. Freeway 288 cut them off from the rest of Third Ward, Alameda died. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure, and there are other parts of our nation where there are pockets of prosperity mm-hmm. within African-American communities at one point. Um, and, you know, it was a place, it was a space. It was a place mm-hmm. where we can go and, and support our own. Mm-hmm. But then they'd fade away as a result of whatever segregation ending, mm-hmm. you know, people just seeing other domain. Yeah, exactly. And so I wanted to play this cut from you. It was from Dr. Jared Ball. And he he stated that black buying power is a myth. He's written a book about it and argues that commentators, media analysts, they've misused this claim largely to blame black communities for their own poverty based on squandered economic opportunity. During our conversation, I questioned if whether another black Wakanda could ever exist. So, so this is where I often uh, I have to acknowledge, find myself in disagreement in in, in a marginalized space because uh, um, one, I don't want a Wakanda. To me, mm. I'm very killmonger when it comes to Wakanda. Wakanda to me is not what we should. Uh, we don't want this exclusive society that has all the wealth and all the resources and holds it for itself and lives in some fantasy utopia while the rest of us suffer. I don't want that. Uh, uh, similarly, I don't want a situation where, where the, 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 the different thinking that I think we need is, 
needs to get beyond what we're being told is the problem of financial literacy. So I don't, I don't want to, in other words, we're not poor because we're not, we don't know how to save and spend and start businesses and invest. And all. That's not why poverty exists. That's not why black people or any other group is poor. Uh, in fact, one of my favorite statistics that I learned in in um, uh, in producing some research with some colleagues last year was yeah. uh, was that from 2012 from no from 1996 to 2012 some or 92 to 2012 I think something like that black people created more than two million businesses uh, and and the 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 collective capture of those businesses of the national uh, expenditure. That is the, 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 the amount of the, the national revenue spent by everybody in society on all business and all, you know, went down from 1% or, or, or to, or 3% to a half a percent. So in other words, all of the entrepreneurialism, uh, all of the business minded sense, all of the, uh, the, 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 uh, um, uh, following the mythology that we're that, that we're constantly told of of starting businesses and being more frugal and 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 et cetera and so forth, uh, uh, led to a decrease in the amount of money generated, largely not beca- largely because of the the actuality of a of a capitalist white supremacist society, where again wealth is accumulated historically through violence, genocide, enslavement. Uh, uh, leading by now to a capture of the political apparatus by the elite. That's how wealth is maintained and passed on through political power, through, through state, uh, 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 control and management. So what I would suggest that we, what I continue to want to advocate for is that we need political power. We need, uh, people to engage politically, organize and, and, Look to create a situation in society where we're not told that we need to save money in the hopes of being able to pass it on and we can individually in our family do, 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 you know, improve our situation. What we need is a situation where we're told that the spending that we do is creating wealth for this society that should be redistributed back to everybody who participates in the production of that wealth. That was Dr. Jared Ball. He's a journalism professor at Morgan State University, and he's also written a book called The Myth and Propaganda of Black Buying Power. Share your thoughts about the concept of a black buying power. Comment on our ICU Instagram or email us, talk at iseushow.org. I'm Eddie Robinson as we continue our chat with children's book author Daryl Bohanna, who's in our ICU studios. Daryl, what do you think? I mean, should we hope for a realistic Wakanda nation as portrayed in Black Panther? Do you think there is such thing as black buying power? So we understand that systematically we would never have this utopia of a quote-unquote black Wakanda Right, because like I spoke to you about how we was only four, three to four generations removed from slavery, right? Mm-hmm. So you can open a black owned business, I have a black owned business, they can open black owned businesses, but who are we purchasing from? Who are we getting our materials from? Mm. Right? So it would never be, okay, well, Daryl can go to Eddie for his book design, then Eddie can go to such and such for. Yeah. We always have, you will always yeah. step outside of your race, sure. which is, is not a bad thing. Correct. It's not a bad thing. But because you have those that are allies with with us, they, they want to see us mm-hmm. grow and, and prosper. And they're not threatened by it, but you have those that are threatened by uh, us prospering and us taking leadership roles. And then that's where the problems come in with those that fear that, you know, Got it. Well, what if they get X, Y, Z? Yeah, a little more than what right. they needed. Right. So we would never, you know, because we, we don't control, like, you know, I love, I like oatmeal. You don't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So we will always step outside of our, what you want, called an ecosystem. We would never have a complete ecosystem because the world was really designed for us to depend on each, each other. other. Right. And, and another thing he said, um, political power. So we have to get out of that crab in a bucket. I'm just going to call it that where, okay, you know, I make it to be, you know, a state senator. And then all of a sudden my mind gets cloudy because you have people behind me with more money 
controlling my thought patterns, mm-hmm. right? So now I'm no longer for the you know the African American community or the Other community that's, that's suffering because I'm being controlled by the dollar. That's right. So, but you are the black face. You are the representative. But behind you, there's other money, mm-hmm. other people that's other controlling entities. you. Right. That's that's pulling your string for this. Well, this is what we want the black community to do. You go up there and say this. And honestly, you know, I, I look at a lot of our politicians, and I don't believe absolutely I nothing. Agree. Yeah. That come out of their mouths. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't. Because I'm, I'm, I'm a, I, you know, I'm aware. Okay. I'm aware. I, I haven't removed myself from sure where I'm from and, and, and this real struggle. How is it that you're in that office for 20, 30 years and I'm going to Third Ward, South Park, and them people, mm-hmm. when they was in their 20s and 30s, they still in the same condition the at same 40 and situation. 50. Mm-hmm. I don't want people under the conception that books by Bohanna are The Adventures of Moneyland, Diddy, Dez, and Dex. As I continue to write, it's not a a perfect, and people are, are you know people that I consult want me to like this is it's not going to be perfect. Mm. They're going to be these kids will go through challenges. This is real life. That's right, right. This is real life. And one thing that I did, uh, Eddie, yeah, I'll show you because I don't care how much money you have. If your character, if your uh, way of life is is, is horrible. You know, you're just going to be a horrible person with money. And once another taboo in the black community, mental health. You know, I want people to understand that it's okay to talk about it. So I put together this flyer. It's like a PSA that I give out with all my books for, for families to understand, hey, if you notice this with your children or your neighbor's children, it still take a village. So if you, so it's just more of a PSA, like, hey, you know, if you see this, if you, if you notice this in a child or an adult, like, don't laugh at it. They're they just need help. Help them, you know. And uh, on on that flyer, you see the number to the uh, you know the mental health uh, department yeah. department of mental health as well. Like we have to get out of these taboos because it's hurting us. There you go. It's hurting us. I'm so grateful that you mentioned that word because we've constructed our lives as blacks using that word, and it's taboo, and it's really caused a lot of mental stress and strain, financial stress and strain. And that really kind of brings me into another question of, you know, what you see as the future of Didi, uh, Dez, and Dex. You know, what do you see them? I mean, perhaps they could be animated characters, you know, or perhaps even a film. You know, what, what are some of your thinkings as it relates to the future of these three these three young kids so that's my goal uh my my goal is you know tv because tv can move faster than the book can. i mean Most definitely you get other Especially writers you get your info yeah in visuals and things like that so you know after book three hopefully you know i have that uh um, yeah. that synergy and that momentum where you know i can start saying, hey look i'm serious about this you know great you know and try to push it into tv you know, if TV don't pick it up then i know how to you know i got some people that know how to work youtube as well there you go <laughs> there you go of all that you've experienced, um, from how you were raised to how you've raised your own children, um, and even seeing and experiencing the role of being a grandfather, from your military background to becoming an entrepreneur, you know, what life lessons have you learned about yourself thus far? I've learned that I can adapt and overcome. Um, I'm not afraid to take challenges. And that's that's what I that's what I know about me. Yeah, I'm not afraid to take challenges yeah. and I adapt and overcome. Yeah, that's me. Especially with that military background. <laughs> and you kept using the word discipline. Discipline. That's so, so important. But when you mentioned save, savings and you know, I know my dad used to always all my late father always harped on me about saving and saving and saving and you know, the best road the best road to prosperity is property mm-hmm. yes and you know I'm, I'm realizing that now but i wish i would have thought about that when i was you know at least starting to be my you know teen mm-hmm. you know 14 15 mm-hmm. years old i wish i would have really kept that right um where where 
I used to live on the other side of 45, where property was $5,000. But I was, you know, being a teenager, you know, and then you coming out of trying to save money, right? Right. And then you were like, $5,000? You go over there today? Five million? Yeah. (laughs) Like, all I needed was one lot. Insane. It's insane. It's insane that I purchased property five years ago <clears throat> for a certain price, mm-hmm. and it's tripled, and I haven't done anything to it. It's like, wow. That's, it's insane. Wow. But guess what it requires? It requires sacrifice. Because mm-hmm. I could have bought a Lexus or something with that money, right? And it's like, but instant gratification. That's what that's what captures people, instant gratification. Like, why well, I'm going to buy this it's dirt, and I'm not gonna do anything with it. That dirt is actually worth more than your. That's right. Yeah. So it, it, it's stuff like that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Words to live by as an adult, and especially important for children. Yeah. And and last thing yes, is please leaving generational wealth because he he did mention leaving generational wealth, right? Look, we work hard for our money, and there are things we do deserve, right? But if you're leaving life insurance, 401ks, uh, properties, uh, trademarks, you can leave all this stuff for your children. But if you don't teach them, if you don't teach them, if you don't make them get involved in what you're doing, then it was all for nothing. He's a children's book author, uh, and his name is Daryl Bahana. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thank you for having me. That's it for this week. Our team includes technical director, Todd Holslander, producer, Laura Walker, editors, Mark DeClaudio and John Mitchell Good. I See You is a production of Houston Public Media. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Visit iseeushow.org for more details. And be sure to download previous episodes of I See You where you enjoy your favorite podcasts. I'm your host and executive producer, Eddie Robinson. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, I feel you, we hear you, I see you. Until next time.